1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Steve McVay here with the Circuit Riders Podcast, the Dirt Roads Network Circuit Riders Podcast. I am with Doug Rutledge and Michael Houle, and I've got to tell you why I'm doing this introduction. I'm doing this introduction because last time in our last podcast, I pushed for us to talk about politics in this podcast, and none of us, we have, there's the six-foot COVID poll, and then there's the 10-foot poll. We don't want to touch politics with either poll, but we're going to talk about it today because it is, I hate to say the elephant in the room because that might be seen as Republican, but I, we, all of us as real pastors, guys, I'm just going to throw this out to you just, and you can answer it any way you want, but what do you think the average rural pastor right now is having to deal with when it comes to this political division and craziness in our country today. Yeah, it's a minefield. You don't want to talk about anything. And uh, it all comes back around to division. And we're, we're just, you know, we're, by the way, just for the record, I was born in Canada. So uh, I can, <laughs> so <laughs> I can, I can basically speak, you know, on any side of this. But I, I will say that I think pastors are struggling because our, our congregations are divided and strongly opinionated. This seems to be one of those things that, uh, you know, just divides us hard. And I think my opening volley, I think we've placed savior role on our uh, on our politicians and they were never designed to save us or even Mm. spare us. And I think that some of that is a savior complex that many of our politicians might have. I know many politicians who are great men. But that doesn't mean that the system doesn't think that it's solely responsible for the salvation of man. Uh, and, I, and I think the, the yes, and I think I'll aim into that, Doug, and I'll second that. And I'll take it a step further. We've been designed to worship the king, the one and only, um, Jesus Christ. Designed for that. We, and I think we have a, uh, kings in part of our fallen world issues. We have a hole in our heart. You can push on this if you want, guys. We have a hole in our heart that, that as that desire that for the, to honor the king, we can start misplacing it in other areas. And we see it in the addiction world, we see it in other things, but we see it in our politics too. And when we start placing politics above faith, that's I think what we're trying to get above today. But you're like, what do you do in your pastor in rural church and someone wants you to come up with a statement about COVID or someone wants you to come up with a statement about masks or someone wants you to come up with a statement about, uh, just pick something, there's so much. Or the, the, the election, which we know is coming up. Um, pick any topic inside of that. And, and I feel like pastors are looking at each other going, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're just confident, but the reality is, is a lot of it feels like a trap. And a lot of it feels like people are just trying to fill the gap for, because everybody wants 
pastor you to agree with you them like oh, they want that design like they want you to see life 100 percent of the way that they see it and in reality we were designed for that and i think that's kind of the bigger issue and in the worldly uh, mindset right now is there two choices on everything? And I mean, even like the mass debate, am I really as a pastor supposed to be the one that can decipher truth when there's so many different sources saying so many different things? But the problem is, is that everyone wants to put Jesus on their side. And so if you love your neighbor as yourself, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. And if you and if you don't want to be a sheeple, if you want to serve the Lord and not your government, don't wear a mask. And, you know, you start putting your faith with political sides and you're like, what is a pastor to do? Well, you know, let's take it out of the United States for a second. There are some other countries in the world. I mean, I don't I can't name any of them, but I'm aware that there are some. And what side is Jesus on there? Like, you know, in 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 England, what side is God on? And it's this concept that God likes some and he does. There, I mean, it, it's clear in Scripture. He sides with those who follow him. But I, I don't think he's endorsing a government. Like, if you could get that endorsement, you should probably use it. <laughs> Just endorsed by God, you know? Okay, I better go with that. That'd be a great, uh, that would be a great yard sign. That would be the yeah. best thing ever. <laughs> um, no, and I think you're right, Doug. And I, and I, just as I spend time traveling around, I think I've learned that that there's just a different worldview sometimes we take into effect with this. By the way, I think the reality of it is, is when we start to understand that that if we talk about the love of the person, and, and we're supposed to do what Jesus did, even if we don't agree with someone, my understanding is we're supposed to love our enemies. I think I just read that recently in, in, in the yeah. Gospels. Maybe I missed something, but. I just read that recently. You're supposed to love our enemies, um, and and if, if that's true, then then the anger has to kind of go away. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to navigate that. I'm, I'm not I'm not looking here saying like you just do that because I pastor a church. I know the pain of what I'm saying right now, um, and I know what I want to say in my flesh sometimes that comes up. I have to like bite my tongue. I think I'm swollen, bloody tongue syndrome. Yeah. I've bitten it enough hard enough enough times. And and so I think for all of us, we have to we have to make that decision of like what does it look like to love our enemies? You know, so my wife uh, says something all the time. In, in our garage, we have this heavy bag, like you know, Rocky style punching heavy bag, and and the you know gloves are on there, and I boxed a little bit, you know, so I like getting out there and pretending I could still punch. And Dawn says that the problem with our with our society right now is evil is so palpable, negative is so palpable. You're everybody's just looking to punch at something. You, you got to blame somebody for this. You got to blame something. So, of course, in America, we blame somebody for COVID, but it's all over the world. And could it be that God knew this was going to happen way before? I mean, did God realize that th there were countries electing, you know, former pornographic actresses as their chief friend. You know, you're like, I want to punch at some you know, stuff. I want to punch at some stuff. <laughs> so let's get let's get real for just a little bit here. And here's the pastor. And and I've been in this situation, you know, Doug, Michael, we've all been in this situation. You have a divided congregation. I'll tell you the, you know, where I am right now, the community 
is so divided over masks. I mean, that's become the political hot button. And we had a school board vote that was four to three. We never have four to three votes with our school board. You know, they, you might have one dissent every once in a while, you know, works its way into the church. We're trying to figure out, you know, do we have, we're we're having outdoor services right now. We want to come indoors at some point. At some point, it doesn't feel like it's a scientific quest. How can we truly do what's right? What should we know as rural pastors as we jump into this? Because I want to tell you, it just feels like as a pastor, no matter what I do in this area of politics, I'm going to lose. I'm, I'm dealing with divided congregations. Some people, I mean, and let's just be real honest about rural people. There's two types. Okay, there are going to be those who are broadcasting everything on Facebook and, you know, taking these really strong stands. But the average agrarian mindset, if they haven't, if they haven't been bought into, if they haven't bought into this radical division and, you know, boisterousness that goes with it, average agrarian person is very quiet about their opinions and they won't say no to you. They will say yes to something else and then apologize to you because they said yes to something else. And that means they're too busy or what you know, I mean, they're not going to flat out tell you, hey, because you posted this, I'm pulling away from you. And, And it just feels like to me that that many of us rural pastors, it just feels like a lose, lose, lose situation. And frankly, we're beginning to lose some people from our congregations over these political divisions. Yeah. And what do I do? Well, sorry, <laughs> move to Canada. <laughs> oh, I'm. <laughs> they don't. They don't want us. Oh, they, they don't want Americans coming in and polluting. You know what they what they have. That's the that's the deal. Everybody thinks, hey, move to Canada. They're like, no, don't. We're fine. I have many family up in Canada. This is going to be the running gag, I guess. But yeah, uh, I, I guess uh, that's such a powerful. Th- uh, we as humans can't find balance in balance. We have to land somewhere hard. I, I don't know how else to say that. Uh-huh. And so uh, I think for so long, Christians have felt disenfranchised and even ignored during COVID that happened by our governments. And when you have a president, you know, regardless of who he is, who says, hey, I'm with you guys, we feel validated. And, you know, when you're talking about the mask situation, let me speak into that. I don't think you're going to find the answer to whether or not you wear masks in the Bible. I think there are pros and cons on the issue. I think that it does steal identity. How many times have you been somewhere and somebody says, hey, to you, and you don't know who they are and you can't hear because voices are muted. And so there are some negatives that are coming through this, but I, I come back to first Corinthians nine that says, I'm all things to all men. And it's for the sake of the weak. I don't like wearing a mask. It infringes on me. I'm not a great breather anyway, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, for those of you listening, I I tend to be a mouth breather that, uh, I don't know if that typifies me, but I, I don't like wearing a mask. But if I am going into a building and it is stated on the door that in order to enter the building, I wear a mask, it's not the time for me to make a political statement. I'm going to wear the mask because I'm all things to all men. And so that some may come to know the gospel so that I, so that I can save some. 
And I'm like, well, that's where I am. Why are we making this harder for people to believe in Jesus? It leads me to a story. It's not political that I, I told a thousand times in our church. I had a church member come to me once and say, I've been trying to get my neighbor from the church and try to get to know Jesus. And it just hasn't been working. Like you got to need some advice. I said, well, what have you been doing lately? He said, well, the problem is his dog comes and, and poops in my yard. So I go throw it back on his sidewalk. True story. I said, really? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, every time the dog poops in my yard, I throw it back on his sidewalk. And I said, how long has this been going on? Oh, about six months. But he won't come to church. And I'm thinking, literally, we've been throwing poop at each other. Like, like the, the poop you throw, we throw it back. I'm like, I don't know why they won't come to Jesus. And I'm like, I think I know your answer to your problem. I said, next time, clean the poop up, put it in the garbage can, and don't say a word. And he looked kind of stunned. Like I said, I said, I think there's something about loving our enemies in that that maybe could work. Yeah. We need to quit throwing poop at each other is my best advice. Yeah. That might be a really good start for this. But yeah. I really think there's a truth to that. I know it's a simple joke to a hard question. In reality, I, I think we've kind of lost that. And I think to be what you say, Doug, you know, so we may save some, we have to ask ourselves, and I don't care who you think is weak in this scenario. Like, that doesn't really matter to me. Like, if yeah. it's I don't care. But what if we just took their mindset? What would that look like for Well, in a rural community, the answer to the dog is the three S's. Shoot, shovel, and shut up. Well, that's <laughs> right. That's so, that was his theory, by the way, Doug. You didn't shoot him. No. Like, if I didn't shoot the dog, why wouldn't he come to or something else? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think let's nail down a few points i think that, that uh, need to be covered i think first of all pastor i just think thinking about this throwing poop stuff there and, and and then the math stuff there's so much to say here you know this is gonna we want to keep this concise but i agree with you doug it's easy to to wear a mask when i have to the question is what do i do when i'm the one who has to decide whether or not people wear masks when they come right. to my church right and 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 that's where it gets it's really, really, you know, the rubber meets the road. We're not going to be able to offer all the answers to that. I mean, no. every every situation is different, but there is this thing that, that Michael's saying about loving your neighbor as yourself and, and getting your priorities right and not jumping into the emotional just trashing of each other. The thing that came to me last week, I was thinking about this, is that far too many of us are more interested in the first amendment than the greatest commandment. Yeah. And, and we just, you know, if, if you think about the temptations of Jesus, so I'm going to go to Luke wow. chapter four for just a minute. Yeah. And in Luke chapter four, uh, I think it's like verse five, Satan says to Jesus, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And, and I theologically, I don't know what to do with this statement, by the way, just so you know, all right? Because right, like, right. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Uh, I am a Wesleyan, so I also believe in the free will of man and the, the blend there and all that. But, but Satan says to Jesus, and, and so if he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, that includes the kingdom that I'm in right now, the United States of America. He shows them all of those kingdoms and says, I have control of these. I have been given control of all these, and you can have them all. All you have to do is compromise. Bow to me. And Jesus says, listen, I am going to serve the Lord only. And, and there's a sense in which part of what needs to be said, both to pastors and then to those that we disciple, is that we do understand that our first calling is the kingdom of God always, and I don't want to dominate because I know both of you are ready to jump in here, but I'll tell you when it hit me. 
It's when I went on a missions trip to Haiti. And it was, it was three or four years ago. We have a community. We are trying to redeem this community. They were, it was a, a tent city that had been moved up on the side of the mountain. There's no water for them up there. They just wanted to get them out of Port-au-Prince so that it looked like the money they got. I mean, I mean, Haiti is as corrupt as you can get. There were 40 people running for president. And some of the people we were talking to had banners and like they would like go through the street with microphones, all those things that, that are part of that. And I remember thinking, why are you guys wasting your time here? We're trying to get some water wells built. We're trying to like build this church. And then I thought, well, when I go back home, I put, I, I get all into the presidential, like, you know, and make it about God. And so I think that's the first thing I want to say. And then I'm gonna, I talk so much, I'm going to leave it off to you guys. But I have to put the greatest commandment in the kingdom of God above the first amendment and the constitution of the United States. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about this a little bit. It's because of who we serve first and foremost. So, uh, and I, I don't want to alienate people who are um, entrenched in a political system. I believe that Christians should serve as leaders in our country's government. Yes. Otherwise, there's a, there's a godless voice. So I have uh, many dear friends, people who I really respect at very high levels of government, whether it's state, local, or federal, I, I would say that I respect them because I know the struggle that they have. You you take the struggle that a pastor has, and you you multiply that by the by ten times um, in terms of balancing faith and and decisions. And no bill is ever introduced without twenty five riders. And you're you know it's. Government, government's not easy. So to come back to, I guess all I would say, Steve, is as pastors, we're not called to solve the world's crises. We're called to speak God's peace into it. And I, I'm like everybody else. I want to take a punch at who's to blame. <laughs> Yeah. I just do. And it's hard not to, you know, how many, how many videos do you get, Steve, a, okay. you know, a week that tell you that, you know, the president is uh, this or that, you know, the presidential ca candidate for the other side is this. And I'm not using names because this is timeless. Yeah. It, it's gone on forever. Yeah. And they're not going to convince anybody. I'm watching it because it confirms who I believe, what I already believe. Right. And I think we have to be careful not to fall in the trap as a pastor. To, yeah. To make the statement. All the, all the, man, Steve, that's, that's so powerful. Satan has, possesses all the power in the world. Like the governments are his. Wow. Yeah. And and you said this before, Jesus didn't refute it. He didn't say, oh, no, you're wrong on that. Because <laughs> he said he was wrong on other things. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that we're not engaged, though. I mean, like First Timothy 2, you know, right at the beginning there, with, you know, I urge you with supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings, that these be made for all people, for kings. And I mean, we're to be involved. But what I'm saying is, is that, we just have to draw a line when it comes to tone. I mean, I speak the truth in love, and, and we are in a culture right now oh, man. that is, you, you speak the truth with a hatred that isn't meant to win. If you're going to engage in politics, you should at some level do it in a way that is 
hum, humble and represents Jesus, stands for truth and, and does so in a way that is so markedly different mm-hmm. yeah. that even those who disagree with you can walk away saying there is something different about that person. The path to the cross is not this election. I do know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, and, I, and I would challenge pastors, and this is something we didn't, you haven't really talked about much, is at a local level, supporting your local mayors and your police and firefighters and school teachers and whatever the case may be, that is actually a political statement in, in a way. For sure. yes. And we love our neighbor at a local level. It speaks more volumes than my opinion about what happens you know, 4,000, 3,000, 2,000 miles away from where I'm living, I think you can really do some more value in that. And there's some value in that just in a real practical sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, and understand, I mean, like we think of, you know, I think sometimes we forget the political dynamics that the early church had to deal with. I mean, <laughs> they, they were dealing with persecution. And here's the Apostle Paul again. I just keep coming back to what he gives Timothy instructions because we're trying to like his pastors, you know, we're trying to yeah. figure out what Preach. we should do. Yeah. And, and Paul says, after telling us to do discipleship in, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, that verse that we all know, you know, three, four generations of discipleship, then he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to come, you know, tries to please his commanding officer. And so we're instructed to pray. I mean, this, you know, in that same letter, you know, I'm instructed to pray and to care about kings and those in authorities, but man, it can entangle me. And so I have to make sure I have some clear lines there that help me put the kingdom first before my political views. And then frankly, disciple my congregation because there are billions of dollars being sent, uh, being spent to get them angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's, that seems to be the thing of the day, not, you know, anyway, I better, yeah, I'll get going here. I, I got to jump in. Cause I, I have a fleeting thought, but get ready. Cause uh, you know, this might mark me as a heretic or a liberal or what, I don't know what it marks me as cause I'm not a liberal, but <laughs> you know, I don't want to be marked. And somebody asked me once, so what's wrong with that? So my question is this, is there a possibility that democracy wasn't God's profound system for the salvation of mankind? And could it be that God's blessing on America has less to do with our political statement and more to do with our commitment to him? I mean, that's my statement. Could it be that God blessed democracy because we were following Jesus? And I don't know if he ever blessed uh, you know, and we're a republic, not a true democracy. But could it be that he blessed that because we were committed to Christ first and foremost? And pastors, get back in that boat. Mm. Get back in the boat that saves, not not the boat that divides. And I yeah. love American history. I do. Yeah. And I think the interesting part for all of us in this is to remind ourselves, you know, who is our leader? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's what you're getting back to, Doug. You know, and from a corporate sense to even an individual sense at every level down the line, who is leading your life? And, and when, when, when you think the end of the world is going to happen on you know, whatever second Tuesday or first Tuesday, November, when the election is, you think the end of the world is going to happen because so-and-so won't be the leader. You probably missed the point of your walk for that reality of here, what we really want is Jesus. And maybe we're designed 
like I said, that king, there's this hole in our heart that we desire, desire a leader, and the leader is Jesus. Like, he's our king. I think what you're trying to get to, dog, is what I'm attributing that as. Maybe I misunderstood. But Jesus is our king, and he's the one. And by the way, there is no voting in heaven. I just want you to, like, if there is a misnomer in that, no one is there's not going to be, you know, we're not going to be voting for the Holy Spirit or for Jesus or, you know, the Father or for, it's not how it's going to work. It's going to be, we're going to follow the living God. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think when we can yeah. do that, it changes things. I, I think it's interesting, Steve. I, I'll throw this in too. I think so many uh, believers think that there's one issue that divides, you know, the parties. And so the evil of abortion, and I'll say that on the air over and over again, with sensitivity, understanding, you know, that people have made the decision before they knew Christ or before they understood the gravity of this of, of the decision they were making. The evil of abortion is a political volleyball used at the discretion of the parties to win and lose vote, votes. That's not the only issue, but it's also it hasn't shifted much we haven't really seen a lot of shift i think the thing there is that first of all i mean you read the old testament let's just be really clear and you read the old testament the reason that god gave the promised land to israel the reason he gave them that land is because that area was was involved in child sacrifice and god their sin had been accomplished and i'm not going to get into and then the children of israel get to the point where they're doing child sacrifice and the exile begins i mean god takes that seriously and so we can say that but here's the thing because i believe that i could be tempted to trade in my prophetic voice for a partisan voice and be silent about other things. I watched a preacher the other day. You know, all of a sudden, by the way, I can I can see all these people that are my friends. I can watch them preach now. I mean, it's just like really awesome sometimes. And other times it's like, okay, um, I'm, sending them, I'm sending them biblical preaching by Haddon Robinson. But anyway, um, the, uh, the, the, like yeah. I saw a guy go through a list of sins that God hates. And he completely skipped over. I mean, it was like a, an entire verse about how God, he reminds them, hey, you were once strangers in the, yeah. in the, you know, you weren't strangers in the land and how you treat foreigners. God wants you to have a heart for the foreigner. And he skipped over it. My belief in abortion isn't, and, and I don't have all the answers about, you know, immigration and in this, I'm not trying to tell you that one party has that right. Cause I, frankly, I don't think either party has it right, but I, I cannot, the, the temptation for the Christian is to turn in their prophetic voice. Like if you cannot say to people that you agree with politically on 70% of the stuff, Hey, there's this 30% that isn't in line with scripture. Right. I mean, then you have traded in your prophetic voice for a partisan voice. Partisan voice that, that frankly looks for consensus approval. Mm. Let's face facts. The gospel is hard. Mm. And I contend that when we add in politics and try to make our politic, excuse me, our faith fit our politic, we have, we have spit in the bottle of water. <laughs> That is the pure gospel. You know, mm. how much spit makes that undrinkable? 
And I'm like, this is, this is the problem. The gospel does not stand alone. I'm by the way, you know, we're home to Hillsdale college and it is a fine institution and it is a great educational institution. They're highly conservative. They're very religious and they're strong on students who change the world through the vehicle of politic. And I I support that effort. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, if you're drinking the spit water in order to accomplish a little bit of good, that doesn't work. And anger doesn't sell the gospel and anger doesn't change political sides and it won't get the abortion vote back. Can I ask you, has either one of you ever changed your opinion from a social media post? Have you said, oh my gosh, I'm wrong, I didn't change my life. Have anybody done that? I just want to know. I've heard anybody that. Like, You're my friend on Facebook. You saw what I put on there a couple of weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, I better just put it out there. What I said is, is that just a friendly and gentle reminder that your political post will likely change people's opinion of you before it changes their opinions about yeah. politics. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't engage. I, I think the tone is the issue. I mean, I, I truly believe that babies have the right to be born. I yeah. do. Yeah. And, but I don't need to be hateful. In the, if, if Jesus on the cross can say, Father, forgive them, then there is a tone that I can take when I take political stance. Wow that is godly and and that's what i see lacking and then and then guys what does that pastor do over because there's other issues like with abortion okay abortion is a biblical issue if you believe in biblical authority we can find scriptures you talked about mask there's no place in the scripture that is going to tell you one thing or another about mask mm-hmm. what should our immigration policies exactly be well it's obviously broken but who knows what the answer we is. let canadians in for sure let's do that well well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but you know i mean and it isn't all about legality i mean guys slavery was legal the question is the, the question is where you know, how do I as a pastor without just being you know like a straight peace you know, maker I mean what do I do when I have those issues that aren't clearly biblical but there's division in my congregation like with mass what do you do what do you do Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, maybe we should come up with one positive statement <laughs> as to what <laughs> pastors can take out of this, as opposed to you know political rantings of the dirt roads, yeah. the dirt roads, <laughs> circuit riders <laughs> podcast. Right? Hey, let's start off the podcast with a minefield podcast mm. where everyone can listen and try to decide whether or not we're conservative or liberal. Let's do right, that. Right. Yeah, hey, let's do that. But, but you're right. I hear the cows. I think I hear the cows coming. The cows home. are we, coming home. We, yeah. Yeah. Need to wrap this up what how do we, we we've already said some great things and, and you know but what what does that pastor do who genuinely loves people who genuinely disagree with each other about a non-biblical thing? i guess i'll jump into this so a preach the full counsel of the gospel mm-hmm. uh, don't skip over passages that i don't like because they don't fall in line with my political take or or with my predisposed racism or my predisposed uh, decision that God likes rich people or whatever. I, you know, um, I made the statement to my daughter and I will say this to pastors. I determined and I told them not long ago, I said, I, I never want to say something that's so insensitive that you ever feel like our home is not a place where you can bring anyone. 
And pastor, that church is your responsibility to set the tone of the home. And there should never be a statement Mm. that makes any person who's been invited feel like they are not welcome there. That doesn't mean that you're not going to say some hard things, but those things should always be biblical. And, and to dovetail off that, we're called to be the light of the world. Yeah. We are to be the light, and, and we should be known for our love. You can do it in love. I agree with Steve. Like, you don't have to, like, go hide in a, in a cabin in Montana and never come out. Nothing wrong with that, but you don't have to do that. You can be the light of the world. And I think as you preach the whole word of God, which you need to preach the whole word of God, like, that is something I think we all agree on here. I really believe that you need to be that light and that love. Here's, here's my best, last positive thing I can give you. Church for so long has been known for what it's against in America in terms of politically. What if perhaps we were known what we were for? I've told many young planters and pastors, don't tell me what you're against, what you don't like. Tell me what you're for. Because once you're for things, you can speak more truth into it. And I think that is really the model of the Christian way. And Acts, and I've been reading Acts right now, and it's like they don't seem to like like pull their swords out when the Romans are coming after them. I didn't see Paul ever pull a sword out in the whole conversation of Acts when he's getting arrested. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't beat someone up or try to escape. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's he speaks in love. He's light, and we mm-hmm. and he was and he becomes what he's for. So take some time to know what you're for. I mean, there's a lot to be for, and that is really a positive tone we can set um, in our statements. I think that's the tone that Steve's talking about. I think that's the reality that we can get. Absolutely. And, and you know, as we wrap up today, you know, Michael, there's, and, and Doug, there's so many things that are running through my mind. Like, Michael, you need to read the book of Acts sometime and just see how Paul uses his Roman citizenship. I mean, he allows himself to be beaten where he didn't have to be beaten. And then other times he pulls it out so that he can advance the gospel. It's like his citizenship is a tool for the gospel. And so just just a quick review as we wrap up today, guys, we did not solve everything. We know we didn't. We want to address rural pastors. We care for you. We know this is a political minefield time. I mean, this, this so many things can go wrong. But I think the thing that you heard today is that tone is important, that, that we have to put the first commandment above the, the first amendment that we have to be the light, that we have to be prophetic, and we can set a tone that is so markedly different that we still speak the truth, but we do it in love. And that's our appeal to you rural pastors today. We know that's tough, but that's yeah. what we would love for you to work towards doing yourself. And and pastor, I'm, I'm going to end with this. I guess we're just going to wrap this up because of time. <laughs> pastor, yeah. it starts with you, the people in your congregation that you disagree with politically. Can you genuinely love them? Yeah. I mean, even if they take a stand in a way that you, can you genuinely love them? There's the, the cows are definitely coming home today. <laughs> They're um, calling. Yes, They're they calling. are. <laughs> they are. But if you can do that, Pastor, you can begin to set the tone. You're not going to solve this problem, but you can set a tone that is markedly Christian in how you deal with the challenge that everyone is dealing with. Amen to that. Yes, and amen. 
All righty, guys. Well, we will see you next time. We are going to talk about something not so controversial um, next time. Guys, we look forward to, to hearing from you. You want to connect with us. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to hear about some of those topics that you would love to hear us talk about. We are really excited about where this podcast is going, and we see the numbers going up, people listening to it, and we promise we're going to try to get better every week. And so with that, we will see you guys. For, for Doug, for Michael, I'm Steve McVeigh. Thanks for joining us today. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. <laughs>